Welcome to the perfume room. My scent of the day today is one I have been wearing all week. I talked about it in last week's episode, Musque Marant from L'Artisan, and it is part of their new Potager collection. Tracy and I both really love this one in last week's episode when we reviewed this entire line. And I think what this one gets right that several others in the line missed the mark on is that I find with Savory Gourmands, one of the genres I hold nearest and dearest in terms of scents I like to wear and smell, is I find with Savory Gourmands, oftentimes you fall into this sort of like either or category, which is to say that you have to sacrifice one thing for the other. It's either incredibly photorealistic and very vegetal or verdant or whatever the note is that it's trying to be, or it's very wearable and beautiful and perfumey. I recognize as I say this, that it's subjective, but usually if it's like really wearable and pretty, it's more conceptual and abstract. Or if it's photorealistic, it might really capture the essence of that smell. But like, I'm not sure if I personally want to smell like that. Like it smells too much like I'm actually cooking in the kitchen and less of something that I want to radiate from my body. Musquet is a very pleasant exception. And I feel that it has this sort of soft, fresh, dewy floral seat in the beetroot note that is also incredibly photorealistic and actually smells like a beetroot freshly harvested from the ground. And then it also has this sort of soil, wet dirt, earthy facet as well. And I just am loving wearing it. And it's clearly imprinting on me on a personal level as well, because I just made myself a big bowl of borscht for dinner. Borscht, how I love thee. The color, the texture, the taste, the smell, the very logical and rational explanation for bowel movements that are off color. And I'm sharing that on a very personal note as someone who once made a very unnecessary doctor's appointment. Um, I will leave the rest of that story to your imagination. Anyway, yeah, Beetroot is the moment and I love her. I do want to get to today's guest because we have a really fun interesting episode for you all. Did you know that there is an Instagram account that is consensually sharing the highly coveted, otherwise secret formulas behind all of your favorite scents? This week, I am joined by the creator of that account, Eric Constantine. If you've ever wanted to teach yourself how to be a perfumer, Eric's account, fragrance.drama, is a must follow. There you will find everything from formulas for original accords to gas chromatography analyses of blockbuster scents like Baccarat Rouge. This information, this highly sacred information, exists in plain sight by the perfumers and for you. Eric's passion for fragrance extends well beyond this account. By day, he is the main trainer on perfumery at Avon Romania, and he's walking proof that Instagram University is not only real, but thriving. Through fragrance drama, Eric has essentially taught himself how to be a perfumer, and he's now working towards his next endeavor, launching two original fragrances. In this episode, we discuss Eric's journey, how and why he started the account, how it was initially received by perfumers when he first started reaching out to them, the parameters, or oftentimes lack thereof, surrounding fragrance formulas and copyright laws, why he feels resources like this one that he's created are necessary, and of course, the fragrances that have shaped him into the person he is today. Here is Eric. Eric, welcome to the perfume room. How are you doing today? 
Hello, Emma. Everything is amazing. Thanks a lot for having me. So exciting to be here. It's so great. I think you might be the farthest guest that I have recorded with. I'm not sure, but you are coming live from Romania right now, right? Yes, yes, exactly. Romania. Everybody is surprised about my location. Everyone thinks I'm a New York guy. I am actually I thought you were in New York. Yes. Exactly, exactly. And not only you, a lot of people think about me that I am from uh, United States. I would mm-hmm. love to, but unfortunately I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm, in a, I'm in a pretty place right now. It's Bucharest. I really love it. It's basically my hometown. Oh, I wow. lived here all, all my life, yes. And uh, I won't lie, I, I pretty enjoy it. That's great. Well, actually, this was something I was going to ask you later, but since you just mentioned it, what is the fragrance scene like in Bucharest and what fragrances are sort of popular over there? Well, that that's an interesting question. As I'm pretty much into it, I can only talk for the city I live in, Bucharest, because here I know the market pretty well and it it's actually pretty good. I mm-hmm. would actually say it's not 100% complete, but nice. You can find a lot of stuff from established brands like, I don't know, Amouage to mm-hmm. experimental perfumes, artsy stuff and so on. Romanians are loving loving fragrances. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Romanians love to smell strong, have uh, fragrances that has a ton of silage. And at the moment, I have a project with um, a shop that I work for and I'm curating the selection of brands for brands like Bastille, Ternic Indiscret, Hilde Soliani, Toscovat and other niche artistic brands. Mm -hmm. And in the same time, I am the main trainer in Romania for Avon regarding perfumery and their perfumes, which is uh, completely in a different direction. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I really enjoy my my journey at Avon. I am pretty much humbled that Mm -hmm. I have the chance to to work with them and also to discover that their fragrances are so nice. I have a few bottles in my collection Mm -hmm. that are always present. I even have some stocks in case some of them will go uh, discontinued yes so to sum up the subject about how perfumery is in Romania I totally go for saying it's a great market also slowly but surely there are a few Romanian perfume brands that are so good Toscovat is one of them which I'm Mm. also putting on display in the new perfume shop that I'm working for That's amazing. Okay, well, so you clearly have a personal passion for fragrance, but also a professional background in it. So for everybody listening, the reason that I was so fascinated with what Eric is doing is because Eric started this uh, Instagram account called Fragrance Drama, where basically it's sort of like open sourcing of different accords and fragrance formulas of very famous uh, fragrances and very notable perfumers who participate. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, Fragrance Drama is a project I really, really love. It's basically an open source for accord and information about perfume making uh, created on the principle of, uh, of community. Perfumers all around the world are sharing their um, studies on perfume accords or more complex formulas with the purpose to create a free database for everyone looking for information regarding this this subject. And this is so nice from from my point of view. The 
basically the whole project started pretty long time ago, but was a very slow mover because it is not a project I thought about like make a sort of a business plan or a strategy of growth. No, not at all. I, it started super natural and I simply went with the flow. But the main seed was planted when I started to become more curious about how how I can create a final product from sent to closed bottle. It may, it may sound funny, but in 2017, the information wasn't so, uh, so friendly regarding specific mm -hmm. questions I had. The answers were very vague and I had a lot of unanswered questions. So I started to ask perfumers and... Uh, that's funny because their answers weren't also very friendly. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I got a lot of scenes and no's and answers like, I struggled, you have to struggle too. And I don't think that's right. It's just information, mm -hmm. make it free. Mm -hmm. But right. anyway, I pretty gave up in some period, but kept it constantly in the background. But in 2018, I opened the page, the Instagram page, and uh, it was all about uh, uh, photography of perfumes, nice texts and discoveries. Uh, but it started to grow, get more serious, and maybe, I don't know, catch some shape and personality because I had a time when I was so focused on the visual side of perfumery, actually, playing mm -hmm. with paper college on bottle, making artist collaborations, reinterpreting a certain scent, playing with shadow and so on. But me sharing formulas on Instagram started actually pretty shy. I tended to post them between other photography posts and they got pretty lost around. I didn't put a strong accent on them, but somehow people responded to it. I don't know. It, it was a, a great response from my followers. In the mm -hmm. meantime, I was lucky enough to get as a present two books wrote by Octavian Coifan, a Romanian perfumer who lives now in Paris. And he also wrote two books called 1000 Perfumes, Volume 1 and 2. Those books were basically an ABC to perfume making, history, facts, but the hottest part of the books are actually the skeleton formulas available in that mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how many there are. There are like 10 or 12 or something, but are skeleton formulas for perfumes like Chanel Number no. 5, Cool Water by Davidoff, Paris by YSL. And I was like, okay, that's nice. I really need it. And why not? Let's share it. Mm -hmm. There was a little positive response to my fir first awkward post. So I thought I will make some of my followers happy. Why not? No. Mm -hmm. The fun part about those books is that they are discontinued for so many years now. And mm -hmm. it's so hard to find them. This is why I wanted to post something. I felt like it was precious and rare. Mm -hmm. Slowly but surely, I, I started to post more often, got an audience for this type of content. And someday I was thinking, why shouldn't I make something more 
like a free database for everybody with accords shared by perfumers like indie, young, more famous or not. I wanted to create something collective and really useful. So I started to contact a few perfumers I know from Instagram and I'm so happy to get to know a lot of amazing people while working for the project. The first perfumer who accepted was Denise Meles who shared the molecular cotton candy accord I really enjoyed making. And mm. also the uh, the people uh, loved it. Mm-hmm. Then the second one was Liz Moores, the perfumer of Papillon fragrances, who mm. was such a sweet and warm person. She also shared the Papillon mask accord, which she uses in one of her scents. Then shortly the request started to appear. I started to ask more and more perfumers if they want to participate and so so on. It went pretty naturally and the answers were mostly positive. I also had not a lot of rejection, but I had some and that's totally fine because I can totally understand if you don't want to participate. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious, like, were the people who didn't want to participate, I feel like formulas are almost this sort of like coveted, precious treasure of perfumers. So putting them in this open source way, like, how how has that been received? Well, it was, at first, it was so weird to ask perfumers this kind of request. Like, uh, I was thinking about, I will get a response like, no, you are crazy. You are not going to do it. We mm-hmm. can't share our formulas with you. Right. But I was so happy and uh, I don't know why they were so open and they were like, oh, that's amazing. That's an open source for everybody. Mm-hmm. Maybe indie perfumers are still learning from uh, other uh, indie perfumers or from more established ones like was Christophe Lodamiel, for example, who was a very big part of the project and Mm -hmm. still is. Are the followers of your page mainly indie perfumers who are sort of learning as they go? Like who is the main audience for for fragrance drama? Well, that's so interesting because I have my audiences divided in a lot of parts. There are people that are simply appreciating the the project I made and they are curious to see and discover more because I had a period of my life when I did a lot of blind research, not blending because I didn't have the confidence to do it, but I was just reading about aroma chemicals and Mm -hmm. I don't know, just researching about stuff regarding uh, this, uh, this subject. There is this type of audience. There is the type of audience that literally makes most of the formulas I share with the help of perfumers. And of course, there there is the audience that I still have from the period when I used to post only photography and artsy visually projects. The, uh, a big part of them is still with me and appreciating what uh, was happening right now. And I'm so happy. I'm so thankful for them. Thanks a lot. Thank you to everybody listening who has participated. Yeah, I'm I'm curious too. Do you, um, you know, in a previous conversation, you were mentioning that you've recreated some of the formulas yourself. Are you working towards becoming a perfumer? And if so, how has fragrance drama helped you? Oh, my God. It's it's a very important part of my learning process, learning perfumery, because I, I always wanted to make something, but the sources 
the free sources are so limited. Mm -hmm. The courses may be so expensive or they uh, may require uh, 100% uh, presence at at the course. Most of them are in the United States. How am I going to go there? Mm-hmm. Like not everything is possible through Zoom. It's amazing that we have Zoom and online possibilities. But the the free sourcing is so hard. And this project helped me a lot because I am blending like 99% of the accords I receive. I am always so curious to test them and... Uh, the the feedback is always amazing. I mm-hmm. learn with every accord I blend something new from my uh, from the community we created. What has been the um, most rewarding accord or formula for a perfume that you've received that you've been like always wanting to know how to create or it was like one of your favorite fragrances you've created? It's a very hard to answer this question because, you know, everything is so special. Mm-hmm. I love, for example, the Sherry Accord Michael Salazar shared, but in the same time, it's not the Rain Wine. Rain One. I posted lately a Accord made by Seb Finn, which mm-hmm. is also so special. Everything is so special. I can compare. Of course, Christophe Slodamiel GCs are very hot and interesting also. I mm-hmm. think those are spilling the tea in a very good way, like mm-hmm. <laughs> um, making light. But a specific accord I really enjoyed making and smelling was... I think the condensed milk accord shared by Michael uh, Michael Nordstrand, mm. uh, he shared this accord this summer and I really loved it. I always wanted to know how to create this milky, lactonic and very sweet vibes of uh, type of scent. Mm. And uh, when uh, I was talking with Michael and we did a, a, a little brainstorming before we decided what accord should we share? Because sometimes perfumers come with an accord and are saying, okay, this is my accord, you can share it. But sometimes I make a little bit of research and uh, brainstorming about what would be so interesting to share. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first time when I collaborated with Michael, we decided to choose the condensed milk accord, which I really loved. And are there rules in perfumery? If someone recreated the condensed milk accord, for example, and wanted to use it as an accord in an otherwise original formula, are there any guardrails or rules around that in perfumery? Well, I think the the accord who is available on my on my page is always is first the artwork because it's all about art and science in perfumery, is mm-hmm. the artwork of the perfumer that shared this accord. And in the same time, it's more like a blank space, it's more like a giving direction type of uh, document which can uh, help you create exactly the smell that the perfumer wanted to share, but also gives you the opportunity to change a lot of things and Mm -hmm. to increase, to overdose, to put something on minimum and so on. So it's your own chart. You can make it as you you prefer, but you have this base, the the perfumer. It's a a starting point. Exactly. It's a starting point. Hmm. Have you been inspired by any of the formulas that have been shared with you or that you've shared on the page to create anything um, of your own? 
At the moment, no. I, as I said, I always test. I sometimes wear accords on their own because they are so good. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know how to feel about it because um, uh, using accords I receive for the project, you know, uh, I'm thinking about launching a brand and my practice goes into that direction. I, I get influences, like I get tips and tricks, absolutely. But mm-hmm. I don't think it would be fair to use a specific 100% accord right. someone gave me to me in my perfumes that maybe I'm going to sell someday. So right. at the moment, I'm working on two perfumes that are uh, not even one percent inspired by the by the accords I have mm-hmm. shared by the perfumers because I I didn't think that sh- would be very ethical I wanted right. to to keep it low yeah right well I think what you're doing does bring into question yeah like this I think plagiarism in fragrance is something that has been an issue there are so many times where we see these sort of me too fragrances come out on the market where someone created you know where Francis Kirkjohn created Baccarat Rouge and then we see all these other like Baccarat Rouge derivatives. And oh so I God, guess yes. like I, I guess it's just interesting, well, one, to see how many different formulas could lead to this a similar type of smell. But two, you are putting these formulas out in the open and it's almost like I hope they don't fall into the wrong hands. I, I can give you an example also a collaboration I, I had with a perfumer I really, really appreciate. It's Andreas yeah. Wilhelm who shared more like an artistic process comparison between his scent, Black Sea, Baccarat Rouge, and Wood for Greatness by Inisho. Mm-hmm. He shared those three formulas in one post on my page because he wanted to highlight the fact that there are three fragrances made on a pretty similar base, based on uh, Evernil, Ambroxan, Hedion, and the uh, other notes that are recreating the Baccararouge effect. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you have the starting point. And, for example, Inisho is so different than Baccararouge. Also, Black Sea is so mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. So we, we can create something 100% new every time. It's okay to get inspired. But from right. my point of view, it's not okay to steal 100% the work of a right. perfumer. Even right. Christophe Lodamiel said about uh, one of his fragrances that it's a mix of two fragrances, a reinterpretation of something. Like mm. take something old and make something new. It's actually a trend in art, in music. And I'm starting to see that it's becoming more and more present in perfumery also to recycle, recreate, retake something iconic and make uh, something new. For Mm -hmm. example, one of my uh, projects was uh, to add an extra dose of Chivet and Rose to Chanel Number 5 formula. And the result was amazing. Yes, you could 100% smell the Chanel Number 5 there. Mm-hmm. But you can also smell 100% the new part and the new innovation of it. Right. So I think that's fair. Yeah. 
I mean, it's really interesting because, you know, you're do you've carved out this path for yourself that's so inspiring. You essentially are using Professor Instagram to teach you all about fragrance. I'm curious what your lab setup is and what your process is. And I and since you do work in the fragrance industry, when do you find time to to sort of work on your uh perfumer career well that's that's pretty hard i'm not gonna lie the perfume making stands for like the the least i give attention to unfortunately because i have a lot of projects ongoing that are uh, uh, consuming a lot of my time but at the moment i'm taking perfume making more of kind of a relaxation, hmm. more of kind of a therapy where right. I combine the useful with the pleasure. So uh, it's a slow process. At the moment, I finished two fragrances that I plan to launch maybe next year, but I still feel like I need to spend some time on them and with them because I, I feel like I need to get to know them know better and uh, closely and I don't know, become friends with yes. my creations. Right. Are there any molecules um, or notes or raw materials that you've discovered through fragrance drama that you have fallen in love with? Well, I I always loved Jasmine. Mm -hmm. I knew that no, that chemical from a long time. But the last accord I shared on my page, uh, the Rain Accord by Seb Finn and the Wet Pavement Accord uh, shared by uh, Ali Kiral were an introduction for me into using Josmin properly. Mm -hmm. I, I really love it. I'm, I'm a nostalgic. I'm a lover of the rain scent and the smell of wet uh, earth. Well, you know, Eric, as we're talking, I realize I got so engrossed in this conversation so quickly that I didn't even ask you the questions that I always open with. So I'm curious, what perfume are you wearing right now, if any? Oh my God, that's so exciting. Well, actually today I'm wearing a scent I made for myself. It's a skin scent based of different types of musk, a steam and hot iron accord and a very, very quiet lavender note in the background. You know, that kind of quiet lavender that is not harsh uh, mm -hmm. and strong anymore, but cloudy, fluffy and powdery. Like mm -hmm. I wanted to create a cocoon feeling type of scent, but also one that stays in a very clean and molecular di direction. Mm -hmm. It smells like a warm, but slightly metallic and mineral and musky emptiness. I don't know wow. exactly how to describe it because it's so personal to me. Right. And is this, is this one of the two fragrances that you're working on for your personal line? Yes. <laughs> Ooh, okay. So tell us about that and tell us about the other fragrance and the inspiration behind the line. Well, my fragrances are still working process. I work on launching two perfumes, which are finished, approved and loved, but I think I still need some time to sit on them and to get to know them better. One of them is the perfume, as I said, I am currently wearing a very minimal but cozy musky scent. And the other one is a salty, creamy and marine bergamot. Everyone around me seems to love. I think launching my own fragrances feels so personal to me and I want to sit a little bit more time of them 
give them time and go with the flow. But most prob- probably the the spring of 2023. Wow. And they okay, will that be available. Yes, wow. yes, yes, that's yes. So I exciting. can't wait. <laughs> that's, you know, I mean, okay, so you call fragrance drama or you refer to fragrance drama as a project. And usually when people talk about projects, there's some sort of end date in sight or maybe an end goal. What is the, what is the end goal of fragrance drama? And is there ever a day where the project is complete? Not really. No, I wouldn't say so. Fragrance drama is, is a project that's, that started going with the flow mm-hmm. and I want to keep it that way. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about maybe it would be fun to, to make a little album of, uh, of the formulas when we hit 200 formulas. Mm. But uh, no, it's not, it's not something really planned. I want to go with the flow and see what happens next. I'm, I'm not making any plans with this project. I love it so much that I want to let it grow as it will be with my help and, of course, the help of the community because without them, Fragrance Drama would be nothing. Yeah. Are there any other like open source formulas that exist other than Fragrance Drama? Well, I have no idea at the <laughs> moment. Yeah. There, there is, of course, the the forum base notes where you can find a lot of stuff, mm. but not very structured. Like you, you have to to go deep for some information if you want, or for for some accords. For example, I don't offer what base notes offers, but base notes doesn't offer what I offer. You know, right, <laughs> so right. it it may be a a completing situation, but what I make, I I don't think it's something similar on the market right now. And okay, this was another question from the beginning of the podcast that I usually ask. So I'm going to ask it now. I mean, I, I feel like you've already shared several, but do you have any fragrance controversial opinions um, or anything that you think people in the industry wouldn't generally agree with you about? Well, Mm, not really. I may look like the guy that always has some controversy around him, like always uh, uh, loud and wanting to to say something. But actually, I'm I'm not really into this kind of stuff. Maybe if I'm I have to think about it. I'm not a fan of the new generation of perfume brands that still put perfumes on categories like men and women. Mm-hmm. I wear whatever I like. Right. I think people should do the same. At the end of the day, it's perfume. You should have fun. So it's so simple. Have fun. That's yeah. it. Okay. That's the most controversial one we've heard yet. Have fun. You guys heard it first. Um, <laughs> but I'm, I am curious. I mean, I know we sort of touched on this earlier. You were mentioning... Um, that certain perfumers, when you first started reaching out to them, would say like, you know, I had to work for it. You have to work for it. Have you received any sort of backlash? And is it, if so, is it from the industry or? Well, no, or at least as far as I know, <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, it happens uh, pretty often to get messages like, today I attended to a perfume class or a perfume course uh, and People were talking about your page and I'm, I'm always so humbled to hear this kind of, uh, of stuff. I'm always so happy to know that this project is going further actually. And it's talked in the perfume classes mm-hmm. and 
maybe it is some backlash and some negativity, but at the moment, nothing uh, reached me. I, right. I know nothing about it. That's amazing. I mean, what you've done is you've made learning about fragrance accessible. You've done something absolutely incredible for people who don't have the means or the time or whatever to go to a formal perfume school, or maybe they didn't get accepted, but this is their passion. You've given them another route. Exactly. Exactly. I, I wanted to make it more simple. I wanted to not to make it make it look like, I don't know, a foreign language for you. Right. Because some type of uh, materials may sound really complicated mm -hmm. and uh, this is the next step I I want to to propose on the page to make a little dictionary explanation post of like was the I don't know uh, green materials you can use the leathery mm -hmm. ones was mm -hmm. that was that and so on like mm -hmm. I want to make this industry as much as I can, more and more clear for everybody. I hope you guys are loving this episode. I'm interrupting to just remind you of my active affiliate discount codes on Lucky Scent. For any order over $40, you can use the code 10PR to get an additional 10% off. And on Twisted Lily, use the code PERFUMEROOM10 on any order for 10% off. I'm also excited to announce that I'm currently working on a holiday gift guide episode and a special holiday discovery set coming your way very soon. Stay tuned and let's get back to Eric. What was the first fragrance that you ever wore? Oh my God. Oh my God. Let, uh, let me think about it. Hmm. The first fragrance I ever wore, I think it is... Obsession by Kelvin Klein. Mm. It's a fragrance I used to refer as the cinnamon fragrance because I used to wear it before school when I was like sec second grade. I didn't know any stuff about Kelvin Klein or stuff like Obsession or something like this. I just enjoyed the smell. I loved it. And as a fun fact, I'm still using uh, Obsession. is still a permanent perfume in my collection. It's iconic. Yeah. I love everything about it. I have even the men's and women's version, like uh, a lot of my fragrances, and uh, I really, really enjoy it. I love that. And I know you mentioned also that your mom was also a big perfume inspiration for you, and she loved um, niche fragrance growing up. Can you tell us about uh, yes. your mom's perfume collection? Oh, my God, yes. Well, um, I, I was... Uh, lucky enough to have a mother that discovered niche when I was like 12 or 13 years old. So I was always loving fragrances and perfumes. But, you know, smelling and discovering scents like Oxiana or Ignusa or Confetto by Profumum Roma or uh, Bosque by Humieki and Graef can put you in a completely different perspective of what you were thinking about fragrances and niche fragrances before. So it was a great starting point to make me more and more curious to smell more, to discover more and to read about literally perfumes and their notes and their and comments about the, the perfumes or on Fragantica or, or different forums. Mm -hmm. So I think that my mother discovering niche when I was just a little guy had a pretty strong impact on me and on my curiosity about it. 
she she was so passionate about it. She she still is. One of the fragrances she still uses, and I still use it because it's one of the one of my most favorite ones. I don't know if it's because of her or I really like the formula. It's uh, Hermes Merveille, Merveille by Hermes. Mm-hmm. Since the one. blue one got released, yes. I only use the blue one because I think it fits me better. But uh, I'm still a nostalgic and a lover for the classic Merveille. I really love it. You know, I have a sample of the blue one as well, and I love the classic also, but the blue one has a, I, I enjoy the blue one a lot. And it's something that uh, both my boyfriend and I will wear. It's really lovely. Yes, it's so unisex, so mineral, so musky, so marine in the same time, but very woody. Yeah. It's, it's like an amazing formula. I I don't even want to know how it's made. I just want to, <laughs> you know, I, I, do, I just want to keep it as it is. Just appreciate enjoy. the art. Yes, exactly. Right. Right. Are there ever any fragrances, like anything that you've ever coveted and then you get the formula and you almost lose the joy because it became something that you knew too much about? Well, uh, it was both losing the the joy and in the same time fascination about seeing for the first time the Baccararouche formula, which is a masterpiece. I love it and a lot of people are loving it. But I was so surprised to see the amount of materials and the kind of materials that are put into that fragrance. In the end of the day is the talent that Francis Quirjan has. Right. But I was uh, I was amazed by, by seeing the formula. I, mm. I think you saw it also and you saw how uh, uh, little materials the formula has. Right. And uh, yeah, it's so uh, it's so nice. That's something new. Bakararush, from my point of view, it's literally something new. Yeah. No, it, and when it came out, there was really nothing like it. And I feel like the reason we smell it so much is because it was such a hit that so many people kind of like what you said, they were inspired by it and then had their own sort of take on it. Exactly. It, it took courage, intelligence and creativity to make mm-hmm. Bakararush. It's a fragrance that, as you said, it's so, so copied and uh, every brand has their own version of Baccararouge. And in Romania, everyone loves it. Like you can smell Baccararouge and copies of it at every corner. I mean, same in New York City. I walk down the street and I'm just like, it's just, it's Baccarat or some sort of imitation of it. Every street corner. Exactly, exactly. And that made me not want to use it anymore, right. but I will appreciate it forever. Right. Does that bother you when you see so many similar fragrances or are you enough into like the weeds of the formulas now that you know that, you know, there's differences and that they're not actually the same perfume? Well, when I notice two fragrances that are exactly the same, I have to say, I'm not going to lie. I don't like it. Like, yeah, it's, it's perfumery. It's art. Yeah. You, you, no, you need to have a, a little creativity, a lot of imagination. You need to put your, I don't know, ideas into work, into liquid, so right. you can transform it into perfume. Right. I, I don't see why you, sh- you would copy something 100%. Right. I think the 100% copies are made by maybe people that are not confident enough. Right. There's there's not a thing to blame. Right. Or by brands who want to steal the light from other brands. 
Example, as I said, Baccarat Rouge, Aventus, Wood for Greatness, etc. Right. Do you have a, like, my question to you is, those are all very similar. One could say in some ways there's some copying going on there, but if you smell them or you see the formulas opened up, you'll see that they are different in many ways. How do you feel about fragrances that are similar but not replicas of, of fragrance formulas? Well, you know, mm, it's pretty complicated to, to say something about it. I'm, I'm not getting excited. If right. If the replica has a twist that really shines and sparkles and catches my attention, I'm going to use it right? because I think it's fair. But if it's a 100% copy, I just don't have a reason to get decided over it. I'm with like, you. I, I'm I with already you. know it. Okay, you can give me some Baccarat wish with some extra rose or some extra leather or something right. extra or something minus. Why not? Right. Right. But don't give me the same exact formula because I will get bored. I already know it. Right. Do other perfumers ever try and guess a fragrance formula that they were not the creator of? Like, have you ever had perfumers submit like what they imagine or like what they've re recreated as a formula that smells similar? Well, I have on my page original formulas for perfumes like of Mandy Aftel's or um, from Technique Indiscret, the Caramel Snow, which is a scent I completely adore. But mm -hmm. the, the main, like when talking about uh, Dior Sauvage or uh, I don't know, other popular type of scents, they are reinterpretations after GC analysis. And mm -hmm. the effect is there but their interpretation can be so different than the actual formula really is. That's so because, interesting. Because, you know, that's the, the, the final destination is one, but the road can be, can be completely different. Of right. course, there are some type of aroma chemicals that has a very personal accent and you know them, you know they are there and you use them in the formula. But... And a lot of awkwards can be, I don't know, maybe replaced by other uh, aroma chemicals and have the same, not the same effect, but something similar. Right. I mean, that's something I'm always struck by. If I smell two fragrances that smell very similar to me, and then I look at the actual notes in the fragrances, oftentimes it's very different ingredients that created such a similar effect. And yes, I, that's all marketing, I guess. Right, right. They, they want to maybe to hide a little, the, to hide the fact that they uh, <laughs> uh, copied. Yeah, okay. So it's, can you speak to the, the marketing? Because one thing that comes up on this podcast a lot is that if you're on Fragrantica or Base Notes even, and or even a, a brand's website, and you look at the notes, that it is not necessarily at all reflective of what is actually in the perfume. Oh my God, Absolutely. It may be, but most of the times it's not that. Like, it's only a pyramid of notes that uh, are leading you to maybe understanding the fragrance, making you curious about it, and mm -hmm. making, uh, giving you some, uh, I don't know, clues about how, 
how you can catch the notes in the perfume. Like right. I see uh, orange in the base pyramid and then I smell the fragrance and most of the people are like, oh yeah, yeah, I can literally smell orange, but it doesn't have any orange in it, you know? Right. Exactly. It has an orange <laughs> effect that could have been created by two other chemicals. Uh, it may be a facet of a certain aroma chemical that has a facet of orange or leather or something, but it's it's not that. <laughs> there are fragrances like, for example, The Dreamer by Versace, who mm -hmm. uh, that was offered by Laptorium. Uh, a website I really appreciate because uh, it sells GC's interpretations for a really good price. Mm -hmm. I'm not making any advertise. <laughs> I'm just uh, speaking my mind. Yeah. And uh, I, uh, I was uh, so shocked to see that Versace the Dreamer, for example, has lavender, has tobacco, has a lot of things uh, mentioned in the uh, fragrance pyramid, notes pyramid, but if you see the formula, you will see that there is not even lavandine or uh, an aroma chemical that can lead you to lavender. It's just an effect made by others blended together. Eric, you are probably blowing the minds of everybody listening to this right now. When people are smelling things and they felt they feel self-conscious about how to talk about fragrance because they don't want to say the wrong note or they don't smell the note that's in there, I always try and remind people like you don't it's probably not in there. Whatever you're smelling is just as valid as whatever the notes are that are listed in the fragrance. Exactly. It's more like an an artistic translation to Absolutely. everybody who are who is going to buy this this right. fragrance. In the mass market perfume perfumery, there is nothing like the declared notes. It, it may happen pretty often in the niche section right. because it's more transparent. But talking about mass market, which don't get me wrong, I, I don't blame them. But they are just trying to translate the right proposition and the right, I don't know, vision to their public. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't say when, um, I don't know, when they type their uh, masking notes, uh, Romanolid or Habanolid or uh, all types of aroma chemicals. Right, because it's not sexy and it's not consumer facing. So why would they, so exactly. they just come up with the easy, you know, your lover's skin and that's the note and it's like, okay. I recently saw a fragrance launch. I was reading about it on Fragrantica. And uh, if I'm not wrong, it was a creation made by Miguel Matos. And mm -hmm. he decided to create the fragrance pyramid only uh, or all most of uh, most of the notes were made out of uh, aroma chemical names. Mm. And I think that's interesting. I, that I enjoyed interesting. reading it. Yes. But for the large public or for, for the most of the public in general, it's like a foreign language, <laughs> you know? Right, right. I want to move to more personal about your collection. And obviously, I'm sure you have some amazing perfumes in there. Yeah, I would love to just hear what are some of your favorites? Do you have a signature scent? What is your most coveted perfume that you own? Tell me everything. Oh my God. Oh my God. Well, at the moment, I don't have an exact signature scent. 
I tend to have like periods of like months with a certain type of perfume mood. Like in the past months, I only wear fruity fragrances, for example, or very clean or molecular, like the one I'm wearing today. I am obsessing over Fragola Salata by Hilda Soliani. I love that fragrance. Oh my God, I it makes love me so that. happy. Yes. That's a scent that gives me anime character type of mood and I'm always open about it. Uh, it's so happy, so childish in the same time. It's so sweet, so comfortive. Yeah. I, uh, I really love it. I also wear... Um, very often the fragrance I told you about that it's based on lemon, bergamot and salty watery notes. Mm -hmm. I also made, uh, I tend to wear them obsessively for a short period of time, like a few months. So they become like a semi signature scent somehow. Then I get another mood and I change maybe to leathery scents or um, more, uh, I don't know, musky or... uh, green fragrances. Mm-hmm. Uh, regarding about your question about my most coveted fragrances in my collection, mm, that's a very, very hard question. I love so much Carmel Snow by Ternik Indiscret. I discovered it recently. As I said, Fragola Salata by Hilde Soliani, Merveille by Hermes, Obsession by Kelvin Klein. It's another love of mine, The Dreamer by Versace. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a fragrance that is always and permanent in my uh, in my collection. Oxiana, for example, is a fragrance that I'm so struck on. It's a fragrance that, as I said, my mother wore when I uh, when I was a child, mm. and uh, I uh, I really enjoy it. But at the moment, I I can't give you an exact name because it's so complicated. If I will uh, I will think about a certain one. I will 100% uh, tell it in the middle of a conversation later. If it comes to you in a few minutes, yeah. Yes. Well, I want to do. Go- I do want to go back to Avon for a second because I don't know what the prices are in Romania, but at least in the United States, Avon is definitely one of the more affordable fragrance brands and I Here feel also. that yeah so and I feel like it is kind of like a an underrated gem of fragrance Avon has come out with some really great scents at a pretty affordable price point and I'm curious for people listening what are because I know you said there are a few that you have multiple bottles of in case they get discontinued what are some of your favorite um, Avon scents well, the the fragrance I was telling you about, it's uh, uh, I uh, I make stocks with because I'm afraid it's going to be discontinued. It's uh, Amber Ardent. It's from a line, an Avon line called Artistique, focused on different uh, master perfumers, which are exploring different notes like patchouli, oud, amber, uh, magnolia and the whole line it's so so nice Mm. unfortunately in romania doesn't have the success i wanted it to have Mm -hmm. but uh for sure it's a hidden gem and amber dent it's a warm it's a sweet more like a skin scent Mm. going into a maybe molecular kind of uh, kind of scent i would associate it with a lighter version of the classic merveille wow I remember that a fragrance that is so still close to my heart is Beige by Chanel from uh, Les Exclusives. Yes. yes. Such a good one. Yes. I love it. 
And yeah. Aqua di Parma Colonia Pura, again, it's a fragrance mm-hmm. that is not so popular. I don't talk about it very often, but mm-hmm. it's one of my, uh, you know, uh, first picks when uh, when I leave the house. But lately, lately I'm wearing the scent I'm wearing right now, the the very musky and metallic one, mm-hmm. and uh, the one based on uh, bergamot and salty notes. Which we can and all look forward to in potentially spring of 2023. So yes, so yes. we'll stay we'll stay closely aligned. And once that's out, please let me know, and I will share it with everybody listening. Oh my God! Thanks a lot, Emma. Of course, Eric, we have one final segment of the show. It is a rapid fire scent association game. I will throw out different people, places, emotions, and you just tell me the first smell that comes to mind. Mm, What's that smell? Oh my God, that's so exciting. Let's do it. (laughs) Are you ready to play What's That Smell? Yes. Eric, what is the smell of Bucharest? Concrete. Concrete. Okay. Um, What is the smell of Romania? Green. Green. What is the smell of love? Oh, my God. Oh, <laughs> that's hard. Merve by Aww, Hermes. That's so nice. <laughs> um, what is the smell of teenage Eric? Uh, black Excess Ooh, by okay. Love yes. that. Love it. <laughs> A little sweetness. Okay. The typical type of uh, teenager scent. Yes. I, I really enjoyed that. it. That's a great one. Okay. Um, what is the smell of uh, the the home you grew up in? Um, let me think. Kelvin Klein Truth. It was the fragrance my uh, my grandma used to wear, Aww. and I smelled it so often because I thought it's so magical. I didn't think at that age that something can smell so beautiful on wow. on this planet. <laughs> I was like three or four years. I had no idea about Kelvin Klein or stuff like mm-hmm. this. I just knew the bottle and from time to time I used to smell it. And I was like, no, that's magical. I love it. Wow. And Kenzo, jungle, um, Kenzo jungle, the elephant. Another great, so many good fragrances mentioned. Okay. What is the smell of your happiest memory? Musk. Mm. Always musk. Mm. Yes. Okay. The final question. Oh my God. Dun, dun, dun. What is the smell of fragrance drama? Wow. Didn't expect that. Didn't yeah. expect Curveball, that. Curveball, you know? Well, let's say the fragrance I'm wearing right now, it's musky, it's metallic, it's ozonic, mineral, and empty in the same time. Mm. I love like, that you say empty. Like when you say that, what, are you, what does that mean to you? It has a certain type of uh, smoothness and mm-hmm. skin type of scent that gives me the the feeling of empty, but in the same time it's very present. Like mm. it's not a weak fragrance, but it's a shy fragrance. I love that. Well, Eric, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you. Um, and for everybody listening, where can they follow you? Well, uh at fragrance.drama on Instagram is the the only page where I activate right now. That's great. And if anyone is listening who happens to be a perfumer of any sort and they want to share a formula with you, should they should they just message you on fragrance drama? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm always open to have a talk. I'm always open to help if I know and if I can. It's a uh, it's all I do with the project. 
Yeah. I'm open for every message. Yes. You know what? As I'm talking, I have one final question for you. So I lied. I have one more, which is what is the dream? If there was one accord formula or perfume formula that you could get your hands on that is not already in your database, what is something you would love to know the ingredients of? I really, I discovered recently a perfume made by Dusita and mm. it's called the Ravan. Mm. I love it so much. It's um, uh, hay and vanilla and lily of the valley that makes me so happy and so calm. Uh, I would be so curious, of course, to see the formula, but in the same time, I, I want to enjoy it as it is. Right. And maybe Merve Bleu. Amazing. Yes. Eric, thank you so much. It has been such a joy to chat with you. Wow, Emma, thanks a lot for having me. Perfume Room is edited by Wyatt Peak. Music is by Max Vernon and illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. 